and welcome to the Betsy Boss Podcast. Welcome back. We are picking up where we left off last week when we discussed the Ruby Frankie case and that of her vlog, Eight Passengers. But before we do that, we actually had some liberty to spill on this specific case. This is, like we said, things are just unfolding day by day. It's really interesting. It's a great case for that reason because there's just a ton of information out there. There's a lot of theories and things are just changing by the day. So the really interesting thing that happened on November 29th is that Mr. Frankie, good old Kevin, good old Kev Meister, filed for divorce from his wife, Ruby. The Rubesters. The Rube. The Rube Goldberg over here. Machine. (laughs) (laughs) It is crazy, y'all. So this just, uh, it's got a lot of implications. And I don't know. I don't know where we even begin with this because it's just very interesting. But obviously it shows that these two do not have a united front anymore. Yeah. So there's been a lot of speculation about why he's doing this. And I think a lot of things are probably obvious. Um, you know, he's looking to regain custody of his children. Um, his lawyer, who I don't know if it's good or bad, has been extremely vocal and extremely like media happy. Um, he recently did a, an interview that I actually watched uh, today, and he was talking about the fact that he, Kevin actually reunited, was able to reunite with um, his two older children who are over the age of 18, but also his minor children. I don't know how many of them over Thanksgiving, they actually had Thanksgiving together. Um, so I think I'll, this divorce plays a lot into that. Um, there's certain stipulations in it, like um, certain kind of financial stipulations. So a lot of people have kind of speculated that that might be, especially because you know, this has made millions, this whole channel and everything. So he's trying to protect assets. Um, I think there's a lot of different motives. But at the end of the day, I do think good or bad, Kevin is trying to regain custody of his children. And, you know, it makes total sense that if your wife is accused of um, abusing your children, and there's pretty clear evidence that the whole nation has seen on her YouTube channel, you'll file for divorce. So... Yeah, Yeah. so that has finally officially happened, and we probably saw it coming for a while, but now it's official. I got to be honest, though. I was wondering, um, and we will, you know, get into this as we cover this series or whatever, these couple episodes, um, but the whole drive for Kevin and kind of why he was separated from his children was he was convinced that separating himself from his kids was... Um, to save his marriage that's what Jody had had told him and it seemed to me up until this point that like his marriage and preserving his marriage and also the whole Mormon culture of like divorce is so taboo I am kind of surprised that he actually filed for divorce but I am happy because I think I think it was the right thing to do and if the kids are going to end up with anybody I think it's better with Kevin than I was just gonna say Kevin's kind of the lesser of the two evils yeah a hundred percent yeah yeah he at the very least, like, he might not be the most touchy-feely, like, you know, warm parent, but um, at the very least, and this is such a, like, low bar, he wasn't involved, I don't think, in their recent severe abuse. Yeah, so, so. Mm. you know, family, 
you know, is the best situation for the kids. And if it's a stable parent, you know, if he can get his stuff together, I think that's great. Yeah, all the better. So just some fascinating turns that this case has taken. And obviously, there's a lot. These are loaded moments here. Um, But we're going to today pick up where we left off, which was in the late 2010s. And at this point, Eight Passengers is continuing to post multiple vlogs per week. And the viewers are going nuts over this stuff. They're continuing to see just like really concerning weird behavior coming out of these vlogs. And we're going to talk about that kind of in a timeline format because we do love a timeline. Oh, if you haven't been here before, get ready. (laughs) We do love a timeline. And I have to say, as this has continued to unfold week after week, the timeline has been helpful. And it also even just like looking back, it's interesting to see kind of how this has developed you know, like the extremism, you can kind of see the pattern and how it's gotten so severe. Yeah. And it's clear that what are kind of piecemeal behaviors in the beginning or could be brushed off to be that um, from the start turn into more, like you said, habitual, systematic, you know, continuous type of evidence. Exactly. Where it's like, all right, this isn't just a one off. This isn't a mom who was stressed and had a bad moment or a bad day. Or even just like, we'll get into it, but just like a strict Mormon parent. Because I feel right. like a lot of people attribute that, like, you know, it's just kind of like your more religious parent. This is kind of strict, but it's not crossing the boundary where like, ooh, I'm really going to be concerned, you know, but it's concerning to the general public. But yeah. Yeah, it's it's definitely at this is the point where we start to see these behaviors become so habitual and start to be more extreme to the point where that Mormon kind of excuse where folks were just willing to brush off this behavior as, okay, they're Mormons, they're religious, they're strict. That's part of their value system. Right. People are starting to see these behaviors and these um, different forms of treatment of the children for what they are, which is abusive. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Um, So, just to kind of piggyback off of that with the timeline and again because stuff just continues to come out we've tried to parse it out into a timeline format but there are certain things that kind of make sense to uh, cover like together even though they're years apart so we will try to call that out um, but hopefully we tried to kind of parse it out in the um, a way that makes the most sense yeah and it's kind of the most followable and is easy to see the evolution of this behavior from you know one off to habitual yeah so we started to cover kind of more concerning situations that were shown on the early times of the uh, vlogging channel but we want to continue on to more concerning uh, situations that continue to come up so Again, like we were saying, in many Mormon communities, especially those in the Utah Mormon bubble, and this is from what I've kind of looked into, it's like it's whole, it's a whole separate world, kind of that Utah, Idaho, um, they call it the Morador um, <laughs> over there. It, it's just like a totally separate world from like a, a Mormon that was on the East Coast or, you know, somewhere else in the country. Um, but looking back, like we were kind of saying, you you can definitely see a clear pattern. And it's kind of crazy to think that this was what Ruby, because again, she's the one that's really controlling what's posted and 
um, the vlog vlog content. Um, it's just crazy to think this is what she thought was okay to post. So right. you, you can only imagine like what wasn't shown and what was cut. Like it's kind of crazy. Um, but over the last couple of years, uh, you know, there were several more situations that really made viewers question the Frankies. And we're not going to cover every situation, but we are going to try to just kind of outline some major events that really start to show this pattern of behavior. And I think this really helps to create like a clearer picture overall. Yeah. So our first example comes from EF. And again, just to remind everybody, we are going to use the initials to describe the minor children, um, just to protect their identities and in keeping with how they've been described in court proceedings um, and the like. So this example comes from when EF was in preschool and EF is the youngest Frankie child. And at this time, EF was three or four and going to preschool. And granted, this isn't preschool the way we would probably think about it at an actual organized brick and mortar building. This is a preschool that was run by a local mother in the neighborhood. And Ruby decided that it was up to EF. And again, this is a three or four year old. So a, a toddler to wake herself up for the class. Now, how? How? <laughs> yeah. And she can't why? even tell time. So like, even if you're saying like, set your alarm clock, not going to have like, yeah, this is a baby. Which I is mean, insane. they don't know what they're no. doing. So but just so beginning on a completely unrealistic expectation. And just out of control. Um, And so Ruby told EF, if you don't wake yourself up in time, you're not going to get to go to class. So crazy and crazy expectation. And I see what she's trying to do, but it's totally like misguided. It's trying to set like a consequence of something you want to do, but she's a like a baby. Yeah. Like uh, I want to go there. I don't know how to get myself like I don't know how to get myself up. I can't help it. Like No. And yeah, forget it. That's just unrealistic expectation no. and complete mismanagement of a child of this age. Yeah. I mean, this is would even be hard maybe for like a 10-year-old child. Seriously? Oh, absolutely. And you know, this is a child who's 3 or 4. I mean, yeah. come on. So there's a clip where all of the kids are getting ready to go to school in the morning. And Ruby comments to Shari, one of the other children. And Shari's in the bathroom at the time helping EF finish up her morning routine. And Ruby says to Shari something like, well, she finally got herself up today. To which Shari replies, I got her up. Yeah, like... Which, of course, she did. because Like, are you an idiot? Well, I'm sorry, this is your youngest child? Are you really... You're really going to expect that? But also, you're really a mother? Have you not seen five other children and how... Like... Going through the house and how they work? Like, it's not feasible. I'm sorry. Exactly. So, there's a couple things going on here. First of all, Shari was maybe in high school at this time. And already, at this point, she is seeing firsthand that she's got to step up. She's got to protect her siblings from their mother. Mm, and so sad. it's really sad. And it's, you know, Shari is taking on the consequences that for EF's actions, right. which again are totally just misguided, mismanaged, and unfounded. Yeah. Yeah. It's insane to expect that of a toddler. Like, uh, like 
she's not even pre or not even kindergarten age like and yeah, I wouldn't even expect that. Like you said, I'm even a like a ten year old. Like, come on, right? It's just, it's really sad too because, um, just kind of touching on the point of Sherry being the oldest child, she and kind of going to the whole Duggar thing that we've talked about before. The parentification is so intense with Sherry, and it's even more. I, it's just sad to see because for the longest time people online were commenting about her and I will give it like I will say she very much so is a rule follower people pleaser um we know what that's like mm-hmm. but in the last couple of years she has come into her own she's actually we'll get into it but kind of like disconnected herself from her family from her mother especially um but like during this period everyone was ragging on her for just like being a parent and just like checking like you know checking in on the kids like did you do this did you blah 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 and now looking back it's like thank god they had her in a way because their own mother wasn't doing it like she you know it just i don't know and probably nothing would have gotten done if shari hadn't stepped in yeah and it just it's sad too that you have a high schooler who is like this is unrealistic um and the and, mother can't yeah, see that. Yeah, the mother can't see it. And she's like, I'm going to just wake her up and save her from having to be yelled at again or like especially berated on camera. Like, oh, yeah, for the world to see. For That's something the other that she, element. For something that she can't control. Like yeah. a three or four year old is not going to like wake up on her own and figure it out. Like, no, sorry, absolutely not going to happen. Um, so another example, and this is just kind of a vague one, but AF, she was under 10 at the at the time. And again, this family's in Utah, so skiing, big thing. The family was going out skiing, and she forgot her snow pants. And Ruby made a big deal. She made her buy new ones. Now, okay, fine. On the surface level, not a big deal. But looking at it, um, you know, I, I don't think it's something I would necessarily do. Like, you're out there for a good family time. Like, it's not like this child is consistently just like, Throwing them in the garbage, or just like you know what I mean, just like disrespecting the dog got it, like the dog down the street got him again, like you know what I mean. Like I don't know, just like weird, you know, like it's it's not like she's doing anything intentionally, yeah. Um, and so for me, I'd rather preserve the family memories and like event, and just be like, I'm not gonna scar this by like shaming you for forgetting these and making you buy new pants especially publicly well that's what i was like it compounds it by being like oh not only am i gonna like make you feel bad about this you gotta buy new ones let's show millions of people like you know oh look at my dumb daughter who forgot her pants right on the way to the ski trip yeah meanwhile she's less than 10 years old and any most parents i would say Pack for their children until yes, they're yes probably much older than that until they're thirty three yeah in some of our cases <laughs> and aren't gonna get married. <laughs> I think a lot of this, or at least in part, this was kind of earlier on in the YouTube channel. Some of this definitely could have been fueled by the fact that, um, or at least in a small part, by the fact that Ruby was really trying to stick to a strict budget. And I think that was kind of one of the things that she was trying to promote on her channel was like, you know, teaching uh, fiscal responsibility and like how to budget as a big family, all that type of thing, all those type of things. Um, and at this point, she was still a stay at home mom to six children. 
Her husband was a professor. He wasn't tenured, just several years kind of into his career. And they were really kind of living paycheck to paycheck, really working on the budgeting thing. Um, And so I think this was like probably a dual opportunity in her mind, like, teach a lesson be responsible but also like save myself a little bit of money too like you know i'll make her use her allowance money to actually buy these new snow pants so the next example kind of concerns just ruby sort of letting her inner thoughts and fears out and for everybody to hear them and this wouldn't be a problem if her inner thoughts and fears weren't so fucked up. Uh, yeah, if it's like, I want, I'm just worried my kids won't be good people one day or exactly. they'll have a skewed view of blah, blah, blah. Like, nope, that's not what she's worried about. That's not her Mm-mm. biggest fear. In nope. fact, in one blog, she said her biggest fear is that one day she would wake up and her kids wouldn't do anything. And not as in, like, I'll wake up and they'll be dead. She means I'll wake up and they're not going to do anything that she can monetize and film yeah. and send out for the world to see. So she's perf- she's worried that her performing monkeys aren't going to perform anymore at some point, And it's going to be the end of eight passengers it's gonna be the end of the bankroll pretty much and there have been theories too that she actually um held her youngest back from going to kindergarten because she wanted to have one more child at home still um or at least like extend that where she wouldn't be home alone for the majority of the day during the like schooling hours and it just i don't know it's insane to me that like Wow, I I think that really shows what your you know how you see your children. And just like the fact that you can say that out loud is crazy to me. Well, yeah, I mean, at least you always think that at least like a narcissist or somebody who has their head in the wrong place is going to have enough self preservation to cover their tracks. Yeah, and at least say the right thing. Yes, (laughs) like but here there's just there's no self awareness to the fact that. This is really messed up that, like, your biggest fear (laughs) is that your little gravy train is going to come to a halt when your kids stop performing for you. Are you sure it's not going to be going to burn a pot of beans on the stove and then your kitchen replacement is going to cost (laughs) (laughs) $30,000? Classic. That's shocking that that was, like, what she was known for on TikTok before this. Oh. Look up eight passengers now and I don't know if you'll even find that. Yeah, that's buried deep under all the abuse allegations. Um, So the next thing we're going to get into is Chad, the oldest son. And again, like you were saying, Chad and Sherry, we are going to name because they're both over 18 right now. Um, But Chad had been featured in a lot, like a lot of their vlogs and really was the scapegoat. Um, He was a fan favorite, like. It's kind of funny because you look at him, he is your stereotypical like Mormon boy, just like wholesome as anything. Um, But he had kind of a rebellious streak and rebellious in the sense of like a a Mormon rebellious streak. So like, how bad can that really be? Um, So currently he's the oldest, the second oldest Frankie child, the oldest boy, and he's currently 18. Um, So just kind of going back into the history of what's been shown on the vlogs uh i can't find a date but i believe that it was around 2019 just looking at the different things that happened with like moving and and their house and everything like that um 
they uh, Ruby and Kevin took the door off of Chad's shared bathroom with his younger brother, R.F. I believe they might have also taken the door off his bedroom as well at this time. Um, and this is just like another one of those things where it's like, why are you showing this on camera? Yeah. Um, well, but- and it's just so extreme. Like for your privacy to be a privilege that way instead of a right. It's awful. It's really scary. And again, like all of these themes kind of border on good ideas in theory. That's a great point. Yeah. But like in practice, it's just, I don't know. I almost Very feel like, poor execution. Like, yeah. Like mm. I feel like this is what they did in Freaky Friday when they took like the insolent teenage girl's <laughs> door yeah. off of her hinges and they were, you know, punishing her for not being cooperative or whatever. Yeah. It's just like, okay, yeah, that works in like a movie or I don't know, just in real life to do that to a kid where they don't even have privacy in their bathroom. Like that just feels like the ba- such, <sighs> yeah. ugh, it's an invasion. It really is. That's especially like I've never heard off of your bathroom. Like that to me is just like, what are you doing? Um, but to me and later events kind of, I think this is the most likely case um, that so Ruby and Kevin ne- never gave a reason for why they took um, the doors off, but a lot of people speculated, and it was probably just being a normal teenage boy, uh, if you know what I mean. <laughs> well, that's the thing, too, is like, okay, if this is probably around 2019 when this happened, he's 18 now, Right. he would have been like 14 years old. Yeah. So this is not just an invasion of privacy of a child. This is the invasion of privacy of, like, a grown teenage boy, like a 14-year-old boy. Well, I'm probably, like, the most difficult period. Yes. Like, that's just got to, like, compound everything, like, going through this. And then it just – and then you add on the Mormon layer of this is seen as just, like, oh, my God, the worst offense ever. And this will definitely play into kind of bringing Jody into the the fold with everything. Um, In the Mormon culture, it's just seen as such a grave offense and just, you know, like escalated to something that, you know, the the typical culture just sees as like, he's a young boy, like a teenage boy. Yeah, he's going to be doing yucky stuff in his private time. And and like nobody wants to know about it, but that's why you keep the door on so it can be private. Mm -hmm. And also it's just like create a healthy boundary. Don't create this like weird... I don't know, like weird sense about this type of thing. Like, oh, exactly. I mean, talk healthy about development. Like, come right? on. Well, and hi, the way to get rid of certain urges is not to make them super taboo. Exactly. That's the way to make a kid just hide really well what they're doing. Uh, yep. And yep. be humiliated and ostracized. Can you imagine how humiliating it would be to have all of this not only done to you in your house, but televised? On a show that millions of people watch on well, YouTube. And the worst thing is, or I don't know if it's better or worse, it's probably better, but only slightly, is the fact that they never say the reasoning. But like everyone knows the Mormons are like yes. crazy like this. And like, why else would you take the door off of your teenage boy's bathroom and bedroom? Like, Well, and it almost, yeah, it sort of cuts both ways because it's like, okay, yeah, on the one hand, they're not saying what it was for and that sort of protects his privacy in a sense. But then the fact that there's room for speculation 
just gives people even true. more to think about. <laughs> and then you're going to think something really bad right. happened, maybe, that warranted taking a door off its hinges. Yeah, it just... Well, and at the very base level, like, none of this should be out there for explicit, like, saying what happened or speculation. Like, ugh. But can you imagine, too, like, what actually would warrant taking a door off its hinges? Like, I could see doing that to a kid who was sneaking girls and drugs into his I was room. just going to say, if you he's, know like, what I smoking mean? something or doing some, like, Yeah, like, something, over and like, over, yeah, like, after yeah. several warnings. Like, right. There just is so much that you'd have to do to get to that point. Right. And for her to do this, because he was probably just, like, Being doing normal. normal. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, and honestly, it's developmentally healthy yes for him to do those like you're you're fucking your child up you're like you're screwing him up here you're screwing him up here by like doing all this stuff creating this shame and frankly she's lucky she didn't turn him into a sexual deviant i swear to god like it just it's just it's awful it's really really awful um yeah i don't know and seriously this is kind of like the bottom of the barrel, bottom of the list, it just gets worse uh, with especially getting Jody involved. Well, yeah. And speaking of Jody, so we are going to get into talking about a lady by the name of Jody Hildebrandt. I just wanted to make sure the last line there, because it hasn't been like totally said when she actually came into the family's lives, but looking back as the psycho I was, um, on stuff i think she came into after this whole situation that they deemed like totally extreme with like the bathroom door and stuff that jody was in the picture oh good to know yeah so good old jode she first acquired her associate clinical mental health counselor license in may of 2003 and became a licensed clinical mental health counselor in July of 2005. So she's been licensed as a mental health counselor for a long time now, 20 years nearly. Yeah, and we will kind of cover this when we get into the whole Jody part of it. Um, there was a break in it um, because of her violating the, I don't want to say like the ethics code or, or requirements um, and we'll get into that because it definitely plays into it. But overall, like, she was able to come back, you know, she was on probation essentially for, I don't know, a year and a half maybe. Um, so she really has been licensed for essentially since 2003, 2005. Wow. Yeah. So it's a long time to be licensed in the mental health field for somebody like Jode. And according to a recent interview by Kevin's lawyer, Kevin and Ruby were introduced to Jody by a mutual friend. So, again, it's kind of unclear when Jody came into the picture, why she came into the picture, but just getting a feel, we sort of we have a very basic idea of when and why she was introduced to the family. Um, and it's thought we think that the connection with Jody probably started over trying to find a counselor to help the family work through some of Chad's struggles, which again... I was just going to say struggles. Struggles. Yeah. Put heavy quotations around that word. Right. Because his struggles were totally normal. Yeah, at least developmentally from what we know. normal. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah just exactly. a part of growing up and totally normal and fine. Um, and probably any counseling that they got from Jody would have only screwed him up worse. But 
sad thing is find someone else like would have been like you people are overreacting yes Calm down. oh my god such like, a good point could you imagine like the path that would have gone down we wouldn't have like multi multi-part episodes on this exactly Ugh, i don't mean to laugh that's like so sad to think about <laughs> But yeah, so Ruby and Kevin actually also consulted Jody when it came to their marital problems. So Jody is not just interfering when it comes to their children's quote unquote issues, but she's also getting involved in this marriage. And the marriage might have had some legitimate problems, mm-hmm. but you know, where Chad really didn't have any actual problems. Right. Um, and there are suspicions that it was another YouTube vlogging couple, Yowie. You are worth it. Oh my God. It's awful. I'm not going to lie. And whether we include this or not, if you look at this family, this is just my complete opinion. Um, they just creep me out a little. I just get not the best vibes from them. They are another youtube mormon family it's actually a very common thing which is kind of weird to kind of look at um yeah especially in that again that whole kind of utah idaho like the morador um these family vlogging channels um and i don't know this family in particular just i didn't get the best vibes from but they were previously publicly associated with Jody and kind of promoting like oh hey this is like a great therapist that we've met and we're working with like you know so my assumption is that and we'll kind of get into this um this whole kind of vlogging culture in the Mormon um in the Mormon culture like it was probably passed on to Ruby and Kevin as like oh this great woman like here's a like suggestion like hook her up with chad i think she'd be a great like therapist to work with him you know run with that and meanwhile it was probably the least helpful thing yeah and the the interesting thing is um i i want to say i can't remember if it was before or after kind of this whole arrest happened and everything kind of escalated but they completely like cut ties with Jody altogether. So it almost makes you wonder too, like what happened there? Did they see something? And we're like, I mean, thank God on them that they at least like recognize like, mm, this a little isn't good, here. not healthy here, like cut ties. But right. I don't know. You don't know. Oh my God. Well, yeah, like you said, I mean, Jody was this highly recommended therapist in the Mormon church. And because she was recommended by all these different Mormon resources, she just, it was only a matter of time, probably before somebody like her got recommended to the Frankies. And Mormon bishops, so just by way of a little bit of background, these are just more normal Mormon laymen who take over a role similar to a priest in other Christian denominations. There's a list that's maintained by the Mormon church of Mormon, essentially Mormon approved therapists. And Jody had made that list because she was an active member. And these bishops who, like you said, are, are essentially like priests, but they're laymen. It's, a, I don't know, it's an interesting structure in the Mormon church where everybody, like there's no... Aside from the the very high clergy or or like the the prophet and stuff like that, 
everybody in your local essentially like church is your neighbor down the street like oh so and so's dad is called to be the bishop <laughs> and so really that can uh, that's a whole separate conversation but like that can create this situation called bishop roulette where it's like oh a's dad said this but b's dad said that as the bishop because there's no there's a handbook but like there's a handbook everybody's going to interpret that how they want and advise people how how they want in their office um but there is this centralized list of mormon approved therapists and Ju and jody was like highly recommended and she was like at the top of the list and from what i've seen she's like one of the most recommended uh, Mormon therapist kind of in this area and it almost gets even worse and God only knows what like the legal ramifications are going to be from this but um, I I'll give it to the Mormon church on this that they would pay for their members to go to a therapist that was on this list um, so a lot of times the church was paying for their members to go to Jody, which I think is a great endeavor but in this situation is really bad yeah and clear um yeah it's almost like not, like a self i was gonna say it's not like not whatever bias but right but it kind of is yeah that's exactly what i was getting at like i can't it's even of, think it's ooh. something conscious but uh, uh, right yeah, it's okay. yeah but i gotta be honest the mormon church is a whole separate topic and i guarantee that they have the most well-paid lawyers and can pay off whoever with all this but it is really a like precarious state to put themselves in where especially this situation where it's like gaining national news uh, or, or national where it's gaining national attention um the fact that if someone digs into it and sees like oh the mormon church is actually paying for ruby probably god only who knows nobody knows um, but like paying for other individuals to go and see Jody, like, oh, I don't know. Well, yeah. And then there's like weird elements of interference. And, you know, if it gets decided that Jody, I'm trying to like, you're going the down, dots. No, you're going down the right route of like, that's, that's exactly the point. So I think this is, <laughs> well, I'm trying to think of like the audio to like connect. Oh, like, I know. I, I, I think this is kind of what you're getting at. The fact that like, does she value her, um, her duty as a therapist or does yes. she value her duty as a Mormon? Yes, exactly. And if you're on this list, is that almost a way of saying like, wink, wink, like we know you're going to like advise these people more so in the Mormon beliefs, even though, Again, giving, given the Chad um, example, like, mm, it's not psychologically healthy to, like, demonize being a normal teenage boy. But in the Mormon culture... It is. That's exactly what, we, like, we want to do. So... That's such a good point. Yeah. yeah. So... Yeah. Ex and totally where I was attempting to go. Far more eloquently. Oh, no. But, you know, it's true, though. It's like the Mormon church has an interest in keeping these people on the straight and narrow path. 
And how do you do that? You infiltrate their trusted therapist. I mean, these are the well, people. Well, you keep them like, hey, here's our list. Yeah. Here's our list of like trusted, like church approved. And like, not only that, but we'll pay for it. Like yeah. you get them hooked, you keep them hooked, you pay for it. And you reinforce and what you're hearing every Sunday. Exactly. Like, it's yeah. really a very smart way to just fully entrench these people in Mormonism and to keep them, you know, doing the Mormon thing, whether that is actually the right thing or the wrong thing in the eyes of a therapist. Right. So circling back to to Chad, because I really do think he's, it's awful to say this, I like, don't want to put it out there, but I feel like he's kind of a linchpin yeah. in this whole story. Um, so he had been kicked out of the private school that the kids were attending and Again, like nothing on him. I think he definitely had some things to work work through, like probably some behavioral things that. And like, can you blame him? Oh, pfft, with this family breathing like, down your neck at all times, that's filming a great you. Point. Like, oh my gosh, of course he had some behavioral yeah, how, problems. Like, how was it not worse? Like, exactly. That's a, seriously, that's really a great way to put it. Um, so, again. Uh, commentary from Chad later on in 2019, and we're gonna get into a really the deep stuff on Chad um, again leads us to believe that Jody was probably involved at this time so the main thing that a lot of people know Chad's story for is um, he was sent to this camp or this um, this kind of like wilderness camp called Anas- Anasazi weirdest goddamn name <laughs> called Anasazi Um so in August of 2019, their oldest, the Frankie's oldest son, Chad, he was 14 at the time. He was sent to Anasazi, to the Anasazi Foundation Wilderness Therapy Program. Sounds legit. Mm, hey. Actually, well, and the sad part is this sounds a lot like our good friend, Diggita O'Duggeran. And, but the difference here is... Chad is a good kid, right? I mean, there is such a marked difference. So sad is like they have never. We'll put it out there before we kind of like dig it up, 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 dig into it. Um, (laughs) Is that they, the Ruby and Kevin, never explicitly said like what, why they sent Chad to Anasazi, Um, but what we're getting at is speculation. It's probably just being a normal, very normal teenage boy. And it's being demonized and like, it's weaponized to send him away. Oh my God. It's just, it's so, so sad. Um, so this program, it's a wilderness therapy program. Oh, ring any bells with Paris Hilton here. Sounds legit. Mm hmm. Um, so it's an outdoor behavioral health program for kids 12 to 17 who struggle with defiance, family, conflict, mental health, lack of motivation, and other self-defeating behaviors. Which, again, none of, and again, I mean, we have to, I guess, accept the fact that we don't know everything about this family, but... With everything being so televised and so public, we know a great deal. And what we know is not that this kid was somebody who was defiant, who had family conflicts, mental health problems, lack of motivation. And if he did have any of those behaviors, 
he probably had good reason to have them, and he's probably lucky he didn't have worse behaviors. Well, and also, this is not where you want to send them based on all the recent things that have come out. Like, this is not the program you want to do. Like, no. Ugh, yeah, it's pretty sad. Um, so, Ruby and Kevin stated in one of their vlogs that Chad would be spending roughly 10 weeks living in the Arizona mountains. This scares me to death like I could not imagine just being like hey we think you have messed up so badly that we are sending you into the mountains into the mountains with like a stick and a stone figure (laughs) it out like good luck make it unafraid good luck yeah seriously I'm a celebrity get me out of here exactly if only um but again kind of getting to the end of it they never stated why he was sent there we really can speculate and it's just it's disappointing and very sad to like inflict this trauma on a child for no good reason especially and i will say this program it's not explicit um but it definitely has ties to mormonism so take that you know how you will um that it probably was very easy for them to kind of like get him into the program and people to be on board with like why he was entered into it um so viewers during this time began to notice that chad was not in the vlogs okay uh Ru- okay he was sharing the stage with liza <laughs> the stage with liza a highlight a highlight for lot for judy not for chad <laughs> um so viewers began to notice that chad was not in the vlogs and ruby and kevin kind of like vaguely we're like, oh, you know, like kind of vaguely ad- addressing it. And then eventually they kind of came outright and said that he was in this program at Anasazi. Um, and <sighs> well, that's the weird part, too, is you start to get into this issue of what do Ruby and Kevin owe to their viewers at this point? Because, mm-hmm. you know, the viewers have followed along for years They've gotten intertwined with this family. They feel like they know them. They're invested. They're yeah. They're invested. They're buying products from this family. Mm-hmm. They're really trusting them and seeing just a part of their lives that make them feel very familiar. And then all of a sudden, one of the children completely disappears from the videos, and they expect them not to notice or to ask about it. Right. It's just it's odd and it's strange that. I don't know. I kind of, I wouldn't be happy either way, but it's odd that they didn't immediately say, we're sending Chad to the Anasazi program. Yeah. And just saying like, here's why it's a family, like decision. We're not going to talk about it. Like, but just, you know, say something you'll notice he's not in the vlogs. Like, Hey, he's gone. And the crazy thing or the, again, I feel like this goes into kind of the, headspace of ruby and kevin i will put it on him as well um so never addressed it really and then people were asking and then they finally said like oh we consulted with healthcare, mental health care professionals or whatnot and again kind of going back and taking everything um looking at it now from a different perspective i think they were probably those mental health professionals were probably jo- it was probably Jody, right? Um, and she was probably the one saying, "Get him out of the house, put him in this program. It's what needs to happen." 
And then I got to be honest, the thing that really, the thing that really disgusted me and truthfully it disgusted me was that they capitalized on this and, you know, they were like, hush, 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 hush. And then finally, when they were picking him up months later, they had this whole film. I, I don't know if it was a like separate person they brought with them or whatnot, but it was like they were trying to capture themselves fully immersed greeting Chad in the wilderness. Mm. Um, and the camera was like totally separate. And I, I don't know if it's better or worse that they had a separate person filming it or like Ruby was like, oh, hey, let's embrace. But give me a second. Let me set up the tripod. Right. Um. Anyway, though, there was a whole vlog of like meeting Chad back in the wilderness. They spent a night with him like they embraced him, met him in the wilderness, and then they spent a night out like he had spent for the last like 10 months. months. Right. Like, whatever the heck it was. Um. And it was just like the next morning, Ruby complaining and all this stuff. And it was just like, it was emotional, like them reuniting with him. He, he was so emotional. He was so thankful. I can only imagine like, thank God this is coming to an end. Like I'm going home, not having to like forage for food and warmth and all this stuff. Um, but- we'll talk about like mixed emotions too. I mean, there's the trauma of... Thank God my parents are here to pick me up. Thank God this is coming to an end. Imagine the mental, like, the gymnastics that he had to do when he was like, okay, but wait, these people are also the ones who sent me here with no good cause. Right. I mean, it's so confusing. He must have been just completely knocked on his ass by this. Well, and and how much, like, conditioning reinforcement, like, that is the most severe. like conditioning reinforcement to be like how do I respond to these people so they don't send me back and say like oh nope sorry we're like here to reunite but nope you're not good enough go back out right like yeah how do you know that you're not gonna messed up right and yeah you just don't know at any moment are they gonna embrace me are they gonna take me back are they gonna be thrilled to see me or are they gonna decide no this isn't good enough he's not reformed enough or changed enough and he's got to go back into the woods for another 10 months crazy it's like how ridiculous especially after ruby herself couldn't take one night of it right right complain 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 and then it's like but it's crazy because at the end of the day they knew it was gonna get them multiple like millions of views like they knew it was going to get them millions of views oh just so sad like monetize what's supposed to be if you had the best intentions sending your son out there that reuniting with him should be like this emotional like just i can only imagine nope let's monetize it like exactly and like capitalize on his trauma that's it's awful Um, So like you said, I mean, despite all the pushback with Chad, the vlog was just seeing continued and increased success at this point, probably even more like we just said, because people are tuning in like crazy to follow the situation with Chad to see the reuniting of the family. Like it's just it's making millions on the channel itself, on the ad sponsorships like we talked about. I mean, all of this is just going like gangbusters. Yeah. And they they hit it like right at the right time and then just rode that out. So like they are making, like you said, millions, like making bank 
no argument that like Ruby is making a ton more than Kevin is at this time um, as his job in his job as a professor at BYU. Right. And so at this point, the family's lives start to change a bit. So the Frankies start to send their children to private school. And this actually happened while they were still in their original Springville house before Chad got sent away. And then in 2020, we move up to a bigger house. We get a, a crazy, big a house. crazy <laughs> giant house, which is probably warranted for a family. It, I mean, for size. a family. Yeah, exactly. But don't worry, the kids are still going to get treated like dirt. So they bought a seven bed, six bath house in Springville, Utah. So this is just it's a massive, massive house. It's a mansion. And truthfully, if you're going to have a family that that size you need that space what you need yeah um so there was even a number of signs there were even a number of signs of jody's influence on ruby around the time that the family was getting moving and these are as follows so first of all shari the oldest child had her very own youtube channel and on that channel she was responding to a question about what she was most excited about with the move and she responded that she was the most excited about her new bedroom. And then very quickly she corrected herself and said, oh, no, 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 no. The bedroom that mom lets me stay in. Can you imagine? What like, the fuck? <laughs> Again, the mental gain. Like, just like, oh, it just, it's so sad. Like, it's so sad. So, and the reason that it's really sad is Ruby started drilling in at this point the idea that Jody was promoting that kids don't actually have the autonomy to decide where their room is at all and decisions yeah, they of have that no nature. ownership like it's not yeah, theirs it's, it's not, not their theirs own. it's the parents so it's the idea that the parents are providing everything they're giving them you know financial which like again <laughs> this goes back but it goes back to like the first episode where we were talking about like Ruby prime example of like a mother who like shouldn't be a mother did not essentially want to be a mother um and this is just like kind of building on that that like oh yes we provide but like it's not really yours right it's just it's crazy yeah you can't even feel connected to anything because none of it's yours there's no ownership there's no autonomy there's just the things we get for you and the things that our, you know, the parents provide for the children. Yeah, like, not that you asked to be in this world, but, like, at the same time, like, feel lucky that, like, we're providing, like, three meals a day and, like, a warm bed and all that stuff. It's crazy. Right. But it's ours and we're right, giving that right, to you. Exactly. Like, it's not your room. It's the room that I let you stay in. <laughs> Awful. Insane. So, again, we're going to go into this more deeply um, later on, just the specificity of the beliefs that Jody would promote in her program and those beliefs that were shared via Ruby to the children. Mm-hmm. And so we were sort of talking about, like, the budgeting issues and just the frugality and everything that Ruby was trying to promote via her channel. And she used to be very into this budgeting, and she actually set up – a monthly cash system wherein she would monitor her spending and she'd have a budget in cash for each month. And it's interesting because, you know, basically it comes with the idea that there's no shame within... 
It comes with the idea that there's no shame in living within your means and enjoying your success. But there's still a ton of issues with this. So again, just like a lot of the different ideas that Ruby would promote via her channel, there's it looks really good from the outside, but then there's cracks in the foundation yeah, that make it totally dig, unrealistic. Like, right under, and it's, ugh, it's not good. It's bad. So the issues are like this. First of all, the fortune is all from exploiting her children on social media. This isn't Ruby's fortune. It's her children's fortune that they built for her. So the second issue is this tie into Mormon beliefs. And the belief is that you're going to get rewarded with prosperity when you obey God. So Ruby, in turn, could perceive this monetary success as validation from God that she was on the right path in what she was doing. So, again, you know, she gets money. She says to herself, hey, God only rewards you with prosperity yeah, you when you do the right thing. if you're, yeah, following God. Exactly. And I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. I'm going to keep getting rich. And that's good on me. So probably a small part of this would have led to the extremism that everything ended up going towards. But I feel like a lot of this is like it's small parts that you can see. And again, kind of what we mentioned at the beginning of this episode, it's like you see these small parts and they kind of build on each other or they get more extreme. And it's like. Oh, God, it's awful. But you can kind of see how she got to where she got to today. And I don't think it was on her own. I think it was definitely very much, very much influenced by Jody. But the building blocks or at least like the foundation was kind of there with her past experience and kind of how she was, you know, bringing up her children, running her household and her family. So I don't know. We Like we said, we love a timeline. And I think this kind of lays the foundation to, to understand where where we're going with this story. Um, it's continuing to develop. So we already knew this. It was going to be a multi-part episode. Um, I think we're definitely going to have at least one, if not two, possibly three more episodes. I don't even know. Um, but I think it's definitely, especially being kind of a podcast platform, this kind of newer media, almost similar to YouTube, it's important for us to put this information out there. Um, and we'll get into it later, but there actually are new laws that are kind of in the works to hopefully protect children in the future. So that's obviously something we're going to be behind. So next week, get ready for, and this is only a like small taste of what we're going to be covering because this story, like we said, like, it continues to evolve, and there are so many parts to it. Um, but we are going to cover what happened when Chad came back from Anasazi. Ooh. Yeah, because it just gets worse. Shocker. <laughs> Shocker. Mm. Poor Chad. Yeah. Um, we also have a TikTok scandal, and Flo Rida, who knew he could be involved with the Frankies here? <laughs> um, and then finally... If you don't want to bring your child lunch, don't send them to school 45 minutes away. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode of Betsy Boss Podcast. If you'd like to find us online, we're on Facebook at Betsy Boss Podcast, on Instagram at Betsy Boss Podcast, on Twitter at Betsy Boss Pod, and our email is BetsyBossPodcast at gmail.com. 
Also, Betsy Boss is now on both iTunes and Spotify. If you like what you hear, please rate, subscribe, and comment. Thanks again for listening. 